Welcome to the Falls Nine Podcast, episode 10. My name is Santiago, and I'll be your host tonight. I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Lewis and Edwin. Fellas, how are we doing tonight? Doing okay. Ready to rock. Let's get it, baby. A lot to talk about. We're going to talk about the Premier League. We're going to talk about La Liga, Serie A, Ligue 1. And, of course, best two segments of the day of our show, Trivia and Ballon d'Or Best. So let's get it. All right, fellas, I got to start off in the capital of England, in London, where Manchester United escaped, escaped with a victory against West Ham. Uh, we'll start off with Edwin. What do you think? The hair saves United. I'm getting some 2018 vibes. Uh, um, everyone knows about my, my support towards West Ham, so this, this game actually kind of gutted me a bit but look West Ham and Manchester United that's always that's always a, a Premier League classic so I was definitely not disappointed with um you know the intensity of the match and, and then entertainment uh West Ham unfortunately could not see get the draw at the end with with Mark Noble's penalty being saved by De Gea but yeah no De Gea's coming into very good form so far this season I wasn't even expecting him to to be United's number one based off of uh, last season when, when he kind of fell off and, and got onto the bench. Uh, how about you, uh, Luis? Were you watching the game? Did you see uh, my boy Ronaldo scored again? Again? Hey, man, those those bets are looking to hit a lot. And now nah, United's able to, to scrap out a win here. I was very upset. No Mikel Antonio. I feel like he could have been a difference maker for West Ham. He was suspended. Um a lot of a lot of a lot of drama at the end, as you said. Your boy David De Gea gets the penalty save. Mark Noble got subbed in to take the penalty, and you know you're looking at United's eleven and looking at the you know that that mentality to get the result. Uh, you know it's always going to be there, and I just had a quick question. You know I'm looking at the 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 eleven right now that you, that uh, Solskjaer put out. Do you think that's United's strongest eleven? McTominay and Fred pivot in the midfield, Bruno and Pogba up, up on the Bruno or, a little more centrally. For for me, I don't I don't know. I I still want to see Ronaldo with Cavani up top. I still want to see that with Cavani. Ronaldo Cavani Greenwood. Uh, I really want to see that too. I mean, don't get me wrong. Ronaldo's been playing a lot in the, in the middle, and I feel like with Greenwood, the um, he is able. To just uh, shift to the sides and the flanks, and you know, create that space for Ronaldo to make those runs in between the center backs. Uh, but again, I mean, I always see it every now. I really saw it in the match uh, midweek. Maybe not so much this match, but he he tends to drift to the left. He tends to drift drop a little back. And I am interested to see how he works with another a true number nine. Greenwood's not is going to be a number nine eventually, but he's not really a true number nine. He's more of the Mbappe, like he can play on the wing, he can play down the middle, but he's really fluid to his position uh, on the field. So strongest 11? No, I don't think so, because that includes Fred. So that's not the strongest 11. Uh, <laughs> and it's getting there. harsh. Um, uh, but but the for me, the biggest thing about this performance, biggest shout out, big, big, big shout out 
to my man, Jesse Lingard. Uh, we talked about it extensively. Oh, we didn't talk about it extensively. We talked about how his error cost us the game against young boys. Remember, uh, Lewis, remember when I said it was very lucky for them to win like that. It was very unlucky for us to lose. And you know what? Soccer is a beautiful sport. It gives you those, uh, that, those revenge games. And, man, what a hit. What a hit. No, you uh, guys got your result back. Yeah, anyway. Jesse Lingard with a beautiful goal. No, no celebration either for the for the respect of the West Ham fans. Yeah, uh, I thought that was dumb. Um, just a just a quick, crazy fact that was the Hayes' first penalty save since 2016. Just keep that, just keep that in the back of your mind when when United lift that trophy in May. Just keep that. Anyway, which trophy? Anyways, anyways, which trophy? The <laughs> Euro League. That was that was his his first penalty save since 2016 and his third overall Premier League. Penalty save as well. Oh, that's even that's even more sad. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um. Anyways, come on. Enough about my team. Let's talk about your team, Man City, at the empty hat against Southampton. Hey, hey, there were fifty-two thousand people there. Fifty-two thousand people there. Drew nil nil against Southampton, fellas. What happened? I thought you guys didn't need a striker. We don't. Uh, Okay, you're you're speaking as if United didn't draw against Southampton themselves. One one, we scored uh, in away from home. It's still a draw. Yeah, listen, it wasn't it wasn't at home. Anyways, let's not talk about my team. Let's focus on your team, guys. Your performance. What do you guys think? Lewis, take it. Um, you know, we saw Raheem Sterling start up front. We haven't seen Raheem Sterling start in a couple games. He was in the you know our our false nine role. And I think what he showed is that he's probably the best winger we have to play that false nine role. His, I think Raheem Sterling is probably one of the most dangerous players off the ball in terms of his runs, the timing of his runs and getting into very dangerous areas. The, you know, the, the, the tipping point of that is him just finishing those chances. And I think there were more than enough chances for Sterling and for the rest of the team to just, I could put the ball in the back of the net, and it just didn't happen. That's all it was. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say we we need a striker, but I, I know I saw various chances that we could have gotten. Uh, Gundogan had a free header that he missed. Uh, Sterling he misplaced the pass to Gundogan a little bit out of his path, where he could have scored easily in the beginning of the game. Uh, Gabriel Jesus had a chance to score, and then obviously there was a controversy at the end where. Phil Foden headed the ball in, came came right out off the keeper, and then Sterling was offsides when he put it in the back of the net. Was that the right call, Lewis? Um, yeah, he was offside. Can you? Okay, look, I he was we, ahead of the ball. But I, we 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 tried talking about this a little bit uh, Saturday night, but I, I I don't understand how like because we didn't get into it. But how was he offsides? Like I, from what I saw. It seemed like he was level with with Foden and the ball. And hold on, before you say anything, the the Premier League brought back uh, a rule for for offside goals where they give this the the person that scores it the benefit of the doubt, depending on you know the positioning and whatnot. So I thought that that rule would have overruled the 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 offside decision. The benefit of the doubt, if it's clear enough, I thought he was clearly offside. I'm going to have to watch the fucking replay. I, I saw the lines. I saw LeVar. And 
you know, I'm not going to argue it. I, I've tried to argue it as many times as possible. They were, they were offside. So, again, I don't think we need the striker. I think we had enough chances to to, to win the game. We just – right. If, so. if, 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 if some limbs were a little longer, we could have won that game. But yeah. I'm not going to sit here and say we need to spend $100 million on a striker. I think, you know, we won 28 games in a row last year at one point with no striker. I think right. we can we can get this done. Right. I think I, I think maybe I'm a, I'm a little sarcastical and I'm I am over the top because I hate City, but I don't know. I'm not, I didn't mention like you need like a legit like hundred million dollar like Harry Kane or Holland maybe next year or whatever or Lewandowski. I'm just talking about like just having that option come off the bench to change the dynamic of your team because I just I don't see that in your team this year. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Someone that could just really just change the way you, you're you going to play. Someone that you could just cross the ball to 10 times, even if it's only for like 15 minutes per game. That was we my, never really had that. So, but I, that's what I'm saying of like, okay, but you've always yeah. had someone to score goal. Like, because you've had Aguero. So you've had, you've always had a striker in reality, right? You've had at least yeah. one. So, so it's like, more like, okay, now you have zero. So, like, there's really no, not, not that kind of a game changer. Because even though Aguero didn't, wasn't that really like that target man, he was a game changer all the time. You always could look for him. He's just like the guy, you, you get him uh, near goal, he's going to score a goal for you. Right, Ross yeah. is not like that. Torres can get like that, but I don't think he's there yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Jesus, as you've seen for these couple games, he's so much better on the wing. Yeah, and I think, I think him being better on the wing attest to his lack of, of finishing ability because he is he is an all-in-out striker but i feel like the the finishing aspect is what really you know killed him and and what didn't get him to to the levels of aguero even though it's it's a big shoes to fill but he couldn't get close to to the amount of goals or anything like that because of his lack of, of finishing and maybe some of his runs uh so yeah he's he's putting out a great show on the wing but like Lewis said, we did go a lot of games, well, most of last season without a striker with Gundogan as our false nine, and he ended up being City's top goal scorer last season. Um, so I think we're fine, and I don't think that there's anything really to worry about with, you know, drawing no-no to Southampton at home because Southampton was – they put on a hell of a performance, and they played very well. Um, Jesus and, and Fernandinho, kind of, they they weren't having the best of games themselves, uh, but everything still looks solid. Kyle Walker completely, almost gave me a heart attack with with that uh, that that tackle inside the box that got called for a penalty, but VAR correctly overturned it um, for a no penalty. But other than that, I still think solid performance. It was it was a tough game and a point to point. You know, it's gonna. It's a long season. I, I think we'll really see what type of season this will be for City after these next four games because these are probably the biggest games for them in terms of setting the tone, competing for the title, and and just really seeing what – because last year I think City took a big step as uh, – well, since Pep took took over, they took – they're probably their biggest step where I think the mentality changed. And, you know, obviously the goal for City is to win every game. They feel like they can beat any team in the, in the world on any given day. But I don't know. I just saw something in them during that win streak where it was like, even if they went a goal down or like we were desperately searching for a goal, it's like we were going to get it. That was what those 28 wins represented. And it's just up to them to carry that over into this season so they can, you know, 
win the title again and get to the Champions League final and hopefully win that as well. So yeah. I think the next the next four games we have Chelsea, Liverpool, PSG. So after that run, I think we'll see what type of team City is. So your season starts on Tuesday. Uh, on on Tuesday. No, 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 no. I see. I wouldn't say all that. I feel like that's kind of exaggerating uh, a bit. Listen, so, so it's actually a good segue to the next thing we're going to talk about. His other team that started their season last weekend, Arsenal. Um, <laughs> they won one nothing. Got their second victory in the league. A little upset. I don't know if they got lucky. Whatever. Not going to talk about that because it's going to say my bias. But we'll start with Lewis. Has their season, has their season, has their season outlook change? Has has their has their outlook now look like what they were supposed to be at in the beginning of the year? Um, well, obviously, I had the high hopes for Arsenal when it was you guys saying they were going to get relegated. Obviously, some I was Santi saying that. Obviously, some of that is a joke. Some of that is whatever. But I think winning is very important for a team like Arsenal right now, and getting a result, winning a game, especially against a team like Burnley that. You know, is very notorious for setting up a low block, and you know you have to break them down and really play them the entire game to try to get. It's hard to score a goal against Burnley. Um, Sean Dyche is, you know, part of the part of that terrorist group of managers that I, I talk <laughs> about a lot. Um, so getting a result against Burnley like that, it's it's big for Arsenal. It's big for Arteta. I'm not saying it's the biggest win in the world, but it's a definitely a big step in the right direction. They have two wins now on the bounce, and it's just building off of that. So, you know, we'll see where we'll, we'll, these performances take them, but it's all about grinding out results too, even, no matter how ugly it looks. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Lewis. Um, and I know for, for all the stick that I give Arsenal, um, you know, I, I've just let the record show I, I never thought Arsenal would get relegated. I still hold my word accountable, and I think that they will finish between 8th and 10th. Um, because I don't know, it's it's no, it was Norwich and 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 Burnley. You know, it's it's you kind of expect them to struggle a little bit, but I would at least expect them to, to get three points and and hustle out a result. Burnley, like you said, is a very tough side to go to. Turf Moor is it can be pretty intimidating, especially with the way that Burnley play. Um, but no, a, a great great result for it was a hard fought victory. Uh, Martin Odegaard getting on the score sheet. A great goal. goal. A great free kick. Yes, I will. I will admit. Um, and it does. It does for their confidence. You know, they they're heading in the right direction. Hopefully, and they're, they're finding their their momentum. So we'll see what this Arsenal team could do. Yeah. Now to back to piggyback piggyback on them. <laughs> Taking out my bias. A win is a win. They have to win. They have to get some points. Um. I'll say the only thing I'll say they haven't shown me anything to convince me that they won't struggle to finish inside the top ten. I guess I'm maybe shifting a little bit on my case here, like to being like more objective. But at the same time, you're gonna go through patches where you're gonna need some points, and it doesn't matter how you play. You know, as long um, as you get the result. To me, yeah. To me, I guess it's more like they need to improve if they want to uh, qualify for Europe for any of those spots. That's, I guess that's that's sort of the underlying uh, judge, like how I look at them, how I where, um, how I expect them to to play. And what, 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 what the one thing I will add is that they will need to get some open play goals. That's going to be very crucial. You know, a free a free kick isn't going to cut it every time. Yeah. 
Well, a, a team that's not having any trouble scoring goals, winning games, just woo, playing so beautiful. I'm kidding on that part. But just, you know, scoring goals and winning. Uh, Chelsea in a London Derby against Spurs just fucking spanked them 3 0. Uh, Lewis, was this a typical two hole masterclass or was just Spurs just fucking suck? I think Spurs just fucking suck, <laughs> even though they beat us. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I, I think Chelsea really, you know, was just prepared. Tuchel's team, very hard to break down. Uh, you know, we saw goals, both center backs scoring, Thiago Silva and Rudiger. And, and uh, you know, just, just a complete team performance at this point. Another, another case of grinding out a result. All the goals came in the second half. They kind of just, you know, clicked for a second, and they they were able to 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 get ahead of uh, uh, Nuno Espirito Santos team, who you know are also struggling to find goals. They haven't they haven't scored a lot in the league, um, and the, their first three wins just were all one nil victories. And with a team with Huming Sung and Harry Kane, you're you're gonna you're gonna need some more output um, to compete for these European places. And to to really challenge the top, and we saw that we saw the class between Chelsea and their ability to grind out results, and how Nuno lined up to to try to defend against that. It just wasn't enough, and I don't think Tottenham Tottenham don't really have enough right now to challenge. You know, Chelsea. We we see them as we see them in Arsenal as kind of like the bottom part of the the big six. So it's it's really gearing up to what 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 expectations can they really meet playing like this with Nuno who has also fallen into terrorist category. <laughs> <laughs> and, and pretty soon, eventually, you know, they conceded 20 shots against Chelsea. Um, we're used to seeing Tottenham play very openly and able to play most teams on their day. And it's just a big flop from what Pochettino was doing a couple of years ago with them. So, you know, dominant performance by Chelsea and just the, just the, need, the win they needed to get. Before you go, Edwin, hold on, give me one second, just to pick to point on some weird numbers for Kane. In four games, he's had 10 touches inside the box, only four shots and only four chances created, zero goals, zero assists. Now, I remember there used to be a time where he couldn't score in August, but it's almost the end of September, and he still doesn't have a, sh- a goal. Uh, so I don't know if that's cause for concern. Uh, sorry, Evan, take it away. Yeah, um, I'm going to... Uh, I don't know what direction or what what way Lewis was kind of leaning on with with his response on whether it was a Tuchel masterclass or Spurs just suck. Uh, but based off of he, off of what he said to start it off, I'm gonna kind of disagree. I think it was a, everything about Tuchel just having a complete master plan and just him being a top manager. I feel like since Tuchel has come to this Chelsea team, I think he's he's gotten everything perfect and, and spot on. Um, with the exception of that terrible loss to West Brom last season. Um, but, and, the, and the loss to Leicester in the semifinal. I think those are the only two, for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but Tuchel, he, it, it seems like he, he gets what he wants. You know, like, he gets what he wants from the players. His, his man management is phenomenal. His tactics seem to be spot on every time. And if he sees something that he doesn't like, He's gonna get what he wants at the end of the day because he makes this the the changes when needed to, and the 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 changes that he makes they they respond very well. And you saw it last season when when he took out 
Callum Hudson Odoi after sub, subbing him on because he Callum Hudson Odoi wasn't really doing much of, of what Tuchel was asking for, so he subbed him off. And then he, he grinded out the result that match. Last week you saw it with Saul starting and 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 at halftime he wasn't getting what he what he needed from Saul. So all right, you're it's not working. I'm gonna take you off and put on someone else. He gets what he wants. And then you see it again this uh with this match. Mason Mount wasn't really having the performance that Tuka would have liked. So, all right, it's not working out. I'm going to sub you off and bring on Conte. And Conte was a huge game changer. So I think the way that Tuka sets up his system, the way he's getting out of his players, you know, Rudiger is probably one of the top three defenders in the world right now. And I would have never thought that I would, I was going to, I would think that at all last season because he wasn't even getting into Frank Lampard's side. Um, so I think it's more of a of a Tuchel masterclass than it is Spurs. Uh, Nuno Espirito Santo, I think he's still kind of figuring things out and what system he wants to play with this Spurs team. Um, so you know, just a little give it give it a little bit of time, and I'm pretty sure he'll he'll figure everything out. Kane, however, yeah, a little bad run of form, but it's Kane. I'm pretty sure he, he'll bounce back as soon as uh, Nuno kind of gets starts to get things right with the squad. Wow. Antonio Rudiger, top three defender in the world, incredible. Yeah, what I mean, second. he he was on the short list for defender of the of the year for for the UEFA awards. So, okay. um, and then just on a side note, Liverpool won three nothing. No big deal. They had to do what they had to do. Uh, but yeah, I think that rounds up our our EPL talk. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the best segment of the show, my, <laughs> my trivia segment, where we'll really test these football, the football knowledge of these two self-proclaimed football fans. So today we got Lewis's Trivia Corner, Premier League Stadium Edition. You guys Ooh. ready? Oh, yeah. How, how is it going to work? How's the game working out? All right. So I'm going to name a Premier League team, and then you both will have 10 seconds to answer what stadium this team plays at if you get the stadium correct you get a point so we're going to start off with Santiago Santi will get 10 seconds if Santi gets it right Edwin you will have a chance to steal that team if you don't if you both don't get it you're both wrong and what are we playing up to uh whoever gets the most first person to get to 11 wins because there are there are 20 Premier League teams Uh all right so I'll have my stopwatch here for 10 seconds Edwin, since you went first last week. Yep, yep, yep. Santi goes first this time. So let's get ready, set, and go. The first club is Aston Villa. Where do they play? Villa Park. Correct. Uh, Edwin, where do Brighton play? The Amex Stadium. Correct. Yeah, baby. Santiago, where does Burnley play? Turf Moor. Correct. I said it earlier. Thank Edwin, you. your favorite stadium. Where does Leeds play? <laughs> Ellen Road, baby. All right. Santiago, where does Leicester play? Uh the the King Power Stadium. Correct. Edwin, where does Everton play? Oh fuck. Can I'm I steal this by the way? If no, he no, doesn't no, no, get no. it. Um, yeah. Okay. Three seconds. Two. Oh, Goodison Park. Correct. Ooh. Just in time. Edwin, where does I mean Santiago, where does Liverpool play? Uh Anfield. Correct. Edwin, where does Arsenal play? 
Emirates Stadium. Correct. 4-4. Perfect start, fellas. Uh, where does Brentford play, Santiago? <laughs> uh, like, is it Cottage Road? No. No, so. sir. There you go. There you go. Edwin, uh, where does Brentford play? I don't even know this one myself. Uh, uh, Five seconds. Four. Three. I don't know. It. I don't two. know. It. They play at the Brentford Community Stadium. Uh, Edwin, where does Chelsea play? Me or Santi? You said Edwin, didn't he? Edwin. I just went. That's why I was asking. All right. Uh, Stanford Bridge. Yeah, but right. I lost my turn. Right. Uh, Santiago, where does Crystal Palace play? I don't know. <laughs> Five. Four. I don't know. I said I don't know. I don't know. Oh, uh, okay. Edwin, where does Crystal Palace play? Selhurst Park, baby. Oh, Edwin takes a 6-4 lead. Okay, yeah. Uh, Edwin, where does Tottenham play? Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Correct. Oh, boy. They didn't, they didn't remain in White Hart Lane again? No, right? No, it's nah. still Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Santiago, where does West Ham play? Uh, Olympic Stadium. Huh? Olympic Stadium. Yeah, yeah, that's like a second name, yeah. He got oh. it right. All right, I'll give it to him. Thank you. What was what's the actual name? The London Stadium. London Stadium. Oh, I'm sorry. Edwin, where does Manchester City play? Oh, come on. <laughs> the Etihad Stadium. Etihad. Uh, Santiago, where does Manchester United play? Old Trafford. Edwin, where does Newcastle play? St. James's Park. Ooh. Santi, where does Norwich play? No idea. Cottage Road. Um, <laughs> no. Close. Oh, damn it. I don't even know. Edwin, where does Norwich play? That wasn't right. I thought no. it was co- Cottage. It's uh, Cottage Park. Nope. Fuck. It's Carroll Road. Carroll. Damn it. Uh, Edwin, where does Southampton play? St. Mary's Stadium. Correct. Oh, my goodness. Santi, where does Wofford play? Uh, no, I don't know this one. Edwin. Uh, where does Wofford play? I know this. Uh, five, four, I don't know it. I don't three, know it. Vicarage Road. Vicarage, that's what it was. And finally, where does Wolves play, Edwin? Wolverhampton Wander Stadium. Incorrect. Santi? The Molly New. Yes. So, what was it? What was it? Molly New Stadium. Mm. It's so final score. final score, we have 10 points for Edwin and six points for Santi. No, seven points for Santi. Excuse me. One one season series. Thank you, uh, gentlemen, for playing. This has been another wonderful episode of trivia. Wait, before we close that one, I just remembered um Cottage Road is the is the stadium for Fulham, right? No, that's Craven Cottage. Cra- Damn it. All right, Cottage Road really is West Brown. I just kept thinking of, I just kept saying Cottage Road. Ah. <laughs> all right guys welcome back all right time to uh go around the around europe and around the leagues uh let's start in la liga so let's start off first with real madrid another victory over valencia two to one Luis. Vinicius on the scoreboard again. Is he the real deal? 
Ladies and gentlemen, I am glad we're all here to see the Vinicius stock just rising and rising game by game. This young man has, this is really his breakout season here at Real Madrid. He had, what, three games his whole first couple seasons at Madrid? He has like five goals this season already, and he contributed to the game winner two minutes later after he scored his first goal. Him and Kareem Benzema, uh, they scored and assisted for each other, both goals, to, to win them this game. Uh, a hard-fought victory for Valencia, and they find themselves on top of the table. So Vinicius Jr. really breaking out as one of the top young players in the world. Um, I saw a tweet today from Fabrizio Romano saying that uh, he's untouchable at Real Madrid right now. Yeah, there's no plans to sell him. He is the future of this club alongside when they when they go for Mbappe in the winter um, and next summer as a free agent. That will These guys will be the building block of this club. And, you know, the the new the new version of the Galacticos that's going to be coming in soon. Uh, and, yeah, Vinicius Junior Stock, keep buying people because this guy's just only going to get better. Yeah, I think I think that that tweet from Fabrizio holds holds pretty well and, and true. Um, Vinicius, great start, great run of form. He's just on on fire, and like Fabrizio Romano said, he's completely untouchable. Um, and I think with with the addition of Mbappe, whenever it eventually happens, I think is going to be really interesting because it. As you were speaking, Louis, it, it kind of just hit me. It kind of gives me a feel of this like young Avengers type, type, type of team with Kamavinga bossing it in the midfield eventually oh. when his when his time comes. So if they can continue to, you know, purchase these top class wonder kids uh, that are breaking breaking through and and getting into the limelight for their clubs and, you know, they could they could build a very young Galactico side and it's it's going to be very exciting to see and it's probably going to be very innovative way for i guess to to build a team around and, and how a team does business you know buying young and and with with immense star power but valencia unfortunately couldn't get the vic uh couldn't see off uh, real madrid and hold them to a point i'm actually with this performance i wasn't actually too convinced with with real madrid i haven't been too convinced with real madrid so far this season because they have been struggling and they are conceding a lot of goals and they, they just barely got the win against Inter midweek um, last week in the Champions League. So I don't know. I think Carlo Ancelotti is just kind of he, he's seeing his luck um, go. And I don't know how long that could carry over for. True, good points. I, I, I kind of agree a little bit on your Real Madrid point. I'm not convinced. I want to be a little more specific. I think their defense to me is going to be their weakness. Um, I don't know if they can hold up with rotating Alaba, Militao, Nacho, Mendy, Carvajal, maybe some Marcelo in there. Um, so I, I don't know how long that's going to survive. Uh, there, there's been talks about putting Casemiro at center back, so I don't know. But I want to give another shout-out because I know we're talking about Vinicius and he's playing. And he's in the form of his life. But the, a man who's been in the form of his life for quite a while, and he is proving once again that he could carry a team Big Benz, Karim Benzema scored. Us. It was on the score sheet again. And I don't know about you guys, uh, if you guys have noticed, but so far in La Liga this season, he's got six goals, five assists. Sheesh. So Big Benz is having Messi-like, Ronaldo-like numbers. And 
hey man, it could get interesting like with, with this Madrid team. It could get frisky. It's been five games. Uh like 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 uh Edwin said, um not as convincing as you would like, but at the same time, who is convincing? Um and we could segue again to another team that's in the water. Uh Barcelona uh drew today one one against Granada after conceding in, in the first 90 seconds. Uh, and then couldn't score the equalizer until like almost the 90th minute. They had like 50-something crosses. Uh, we'll start with Edwin here. Edwin, is this club finish? As I think so. At least with Koopa uh, in charge. I mean, like la- whatever, the quote from Ronald Koeman, you know, la- last weekend where he said that Barcelona has a future because of him, it has not been holding well so far. It it's 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 not holding accountable because he he obviously got got thrashed by Bayern and now he he barely gets a point against Hatafe, uh, so Barca are yet to win a game since he's he said that, and uh, it's it's hard for me to kind of say that they're finished because I personally don't really believe that I I honestly think that this Barcelona side is is actually really good for all this shit that they're going through right now and and you know, all the, all the critique from, from the fans and, and the, the pundits, I actually think that this Barca side is very good. It is just a young side. And I feel like with all the pressure that pressure that has amounted from the, the release of Messi and, you know, the club being in bankruptcy and, and et cetera, et cetera. I think all that pressure is just way too much for this side to kind of handle because of the fact that it's a young side, they brought they're bringing on a lot of young players who are good, but I feel like it's not what Barcelona need at the moment. But unfortunately, that's what they have to that's what they have to hold out for because it's not like they could go out and just buy stars anymore because of the fact that they're bankrupt. Um, so I just think it's it's an unfortunate situation for for Barcelona and Ronald Koeman to be in. However, I do think that eventually they will be able to to turn things around and, and, you know, wiggle their way into the top four. I, I remember last season, if you remember the way that they started out was very horrible and they were in the bottom half for, for a little bit of time and they, they managed to get their way back into the top four. And I think that's, it's, we're going to see a little bit of a repeat of that this season. It is so crazy. How's one person can talk about this with this Barcelona team. And then when it talks about Arsenal, it's, end of the world catastrophic club (laughs) if anything you could say that barcelona is in worse shape than arsenal is right now just because ronald coleman is playing a bunch of teenagers and 20 year olds and he can consider himself the future doesn't mean anything the team is playing like shit they're drawing against granada the only reason they were able to escape anything last year is because they had Lionel messi on the team he won man of the match 16 times last year in la liga that is the reason they won those games you cannot expect to grind out results or win anything just because you're throwing the young guys in there. And then you have Luke Dijon and you have Gerard Piquet coming in for Yusuf Demir playing as a, a, a striker almost at towards the end of the game. So just because you're that desperate for a goal, this is not a good side right now. And I just, I just, it's, it's just crazy to me how the disparities between when we talk about those two clubs you, you, know, you know what, Lewis? I'm actually, I'm not even gonna you know, debate you on that because 
you're absolutely right. <laughs> like, I have nothing to say in response to that other than I did mention last week during one of our record. I can't remember which episode it was where when we were talking about Juventus's run of form, um, you know, it, it feels kind of weird to, to just put Barcelona in that type of light in the same, you know, on the same wavelength as Arsenal, because I don't know, I guess my my reasoning is Barcelona and Arsenal are just two very di- like I feel like this Barca side can easily be Arsenal like but it is kind of hypocritical of me to talk about Barcelona you know to talk about Arsenal in this way and then also not kind of hold Barcelona to the same accountability or, or standard however I don't know I just think that the fact that the the teams are, are completely different in terms of quality kind of just makes it more biased for me where in terms of quality? Where do you see the quality in this Barcelona side right now? Um, Jordi Alba, that back line is better than Arsenal's back line, number one. Ter Stegen is way better than Bern Leno and Aaron Ramsdale. Memphis Depay, better than Alabama Yang. Saka. Braithwaite, he's in better form than Lacazette. <laughs> this man is lying. If you, I, wish, Frankie, I wish the viewers could see, Frankie, the listeners could see this. Frankie de Young, better than Lakanga, better than Partey. Sergio Busquets, better than that midfield, better than Arsenal's midfield. I don't know. I think but if these two just, teams played today, and I don't know. <laughs> anyways, anyways, let's not get sidetracked. Comparing this person that has been critical, both Barca and Arsenal, I think you could appreciate this, Lewis. I told you from the beginning of the season, this team is not finishing the top four. And to me, I just think the, the, the more games – and the longer Kuman is in charge. Now, I didn't expect this, like, oh, we're going to play the youth. And listen, I don't blame him because there's not that many other options. But at the same time, he's he's acting like he's going to be part of this project within the next six years. And <laughs> he could easily get sacked and, like, at the end of the year. Uh, will they do it? I don't know. But I, he thinks he's playing with, like, house money, and he's not. He's on borrowed time. But the only issue I have for Barcelona is if you if you sack Kuman, who's gonna want to take this job? It's, it's really yeah, I don't think I don't think anyone really you I don't think a changing of the manager at this moment in time is really gonna do anything for Barcelona. Not even at this moment in time. I mean next year, anyways. Who are they bringing in next year? What can they afford to bring in? They could barely afford to register their players this season. I'd rather go to Arsenal. <laughs> Hot take, but Santi, keep going. Anyways, um, and another club that's keep disappointing their fans with their results. Atletico drew nil nil against uh, Athletic Bilbao over on Saturday. Um, it was kind of kind of got frisky there with Joel Felix getting sent off within like fifteen seconds. I don't know if you guys saw the play. Do you think it was a correct call by the ref? Apparently, they were saying that he's going to get like a four to 12 match ban for calling the ref crazy. I saw a report and I just fucking, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't go, go Edwin. Sorry. No, no, that, that's fine. Um, no, I mean, to, to answer your question, like, no, I, I, I don't think that was a sending off. And I, I don't blame Felix for calling the ref crazy. And I, I think, I don't, I don't want to say that it was. I don't know him sending him off. I understand. Okay. Yeah. The, with the rules that there are now, 
I know I don't know how how strict this is in La Liga, but in the Premier League, you know, if you're you know talking back to the referee and kind of insulting, you get a yellow card for that. I don't know if they implemented that in La Liga, so I don't know if the referee was just kind of going based off of he felt disrespected, whatever. But I feel like the fir- the the first yellow card, the sending off was was two yellows, and the two yellows were a span of ten seconds. Um, the first yellow, I don't think, I feel like that was a harsh, harsh yellow card because Jao Felix dribbles past the defender. The defender kind of pulls him and Jao Felix's flailing arm kind of catches the defender in, in the face and he gets booked for that. I don't think there was, there was malicious intent in that. I don't even think there was intent in that for, for Jao Felix to, to smack the player in the face by accident. Um, you know, so for the ref to kind of give him give him a yellow card for that. I feel like the reaction by Joe Felix is kind of warranted, even though maybe he shouldn't have said anything, but I don't think the sending off should have, should have been the case. Um, I've seen a lot of discussion, you know, on, on social media with uh, in terms of the referees in, in La Liga being very protected by the league in terms of what the players can say to them. And a lot of people are kind of fed up with it. Um, I think this incident highlighted it a lot. Um, you know, you can't say anything to these guys. And they just look like a bunch of assholes when they just start throwing cards around. But I've always been uh, a supporter in sport in general that you should be able to argue with the not, – not argue with the referee, but at least speak your mind as to what this decision was made. I understand, you know, we're human beings in the heat of the moment. We'll say some stupid things. But I think if it's within reason – you know, you can't just throw off two cards and send them away. You know, you got to take the heat for the decision. If it's a, it's a bad decision, you should take the heat for it. And, you know, in, in the passage of play in the middle of the game, as a ref, you might catch some heat, but you can't just change the game like that by sending people off. Unless someone's saying re- something really nasty to you or or whatever, you know, make, just make sure you're making the correct call first and foremost. And if, you you know, a player is not going to like every decision, you should be able to just take it. And whatever happens after that happens. But um, it was definitely a very unfortunate for, you know, for Joe Felix, one of the good young players in, in La Liga. But, you know, I wouldn't – not a fan of not being able to argue with referees. And apparently that's a, it's a major problem in Spain. Yeah, I feel like, like like you said, like he didn't insult them. He didn't, he didn't say any curse words. He, like, I mean – He just called them crazy, yeah. Like, is that – is that because some people take more offensive than others? Yes. But, like, it's still, like – I think that whole situation should have just been one yellow for either the, the the flaring arm or the the if you're so upset about the insult for one or the other not for I just don't think for both it was just it was a red wasn't it was granted and I feel like I mean did it ruin the game yes I mean was it entertaining in general I don't even know probably not so yeah would it have changed the fact that the game ended scoreless maybe not, maybe it was but... one nothing at the end of the day but now. Um, I'm I'm really interested to see how how many games he gets, um, especially because yeah, it's, it's it's bad it's 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 reported to be f- at least four, and I'm like, that's insane. And I feel like Joao is finally starting to get some more pitch time. Uh, I think Simeone is finally starting to trust him again, which is good, and it's, it's important for his development. And it's important for this team if they want to repeat as champions. But uh, who knows? Who knows? Um, I just yeah. wanted. To, I just want to mention one thing before mm-hmm. we uh, continue. 
Inaki Williams has not missed a game for Athletic Bilbao since April of 2016, and I think he's about to pass the La Liga record for most consecutive appearances. So just a, just a small thing to add in there. 200 in a row to make to give a number. 200 in a row. Yeah. Another another thing to to kind of add in in terms of you know the fans being upset with with the way that Atletico is performing. Uh, Griezmann has not been able to register a shot on target like in, in any of the games this season that he has appeared in. And that's that's concerning for me, given the stature that Griezmann has and and his ability. So definitely a dip in form for him. Uh, hopefully he could kind of turn that around uh, very very soon, sooner rather than later. Yeah, maybe that dip in form wasn't just because of Messi. It was just because he's getting older. Uh, but anyways, enough La Liga. Let's go to another very interesting league. Let's go to uh, Serie A. So in Serie A. <laughs> We got Juventus dropping points again. Hence, they played a tough, tough team again. They played against Milan, but they drew. Uh, but Lewis, is it? I know we mentioned it before that we shouldn't panic, but are we, should we still get a little concerned now that they can't beat these teams? I mean, Juve was home. No, yeah, and that's two points in four games for Juventus uh, this season in the league. Uh we saw Alvaro Morata get on the score sheet before um, Anta Rebic was able to tie the game in the 76th minute. Um, you know, there's definitely a lot of things for this, this, this team to figure out right now. Uh, I think the main issue is, you know, finding a way to, to get the best, the best midfield to, to win these games. You know, obviously they want to they want to incorporate Locatelli, but I think, uh, finding a balance with Dabala and Rabio and Aaron Ramsey and uh, Rugani and all these people, Weston McKinney, it's, it's going to be an issue for, for Max Allegri. And it's, uh, I don't even know what to say for Juventus right now. Um, it, they, they got, they were to get the win in the Champions League against Malmo, which was a, good, a great result, three, nothing, but Going forward, are, are they really the best team in Serie A right now? Do they have the best squad? Um, what what what's gonna what's it gonna take for them to to really be able to challenge? Uh, you know, Alvaro Morata, he's had his questions throughout his career uh, in, in terms of his goal scoring ability and being clinical and missing big chances. But it's really gonna have to be up to Paulo Dybala to put this team on his back to for them to even get to top four. And you know, we're gonna need big seasons from. Federico Chiesa and, you know, Weston McKinney to see if they could really pull it off. Um, big ups to AC Milan getting this, getting this result. Um, Interim, uh, obviously they were missing lots in this game who was out through, due to injury. And it's going to, you know, they obviously also want to challenge for the top four position. So it's going to be a really interesting race in Italy this year, especially with um, the other teams in form. Right. For, for me, I... Uh... Thing to, to be concerned with Juventus, uh, I don't know. I, I I having a hard time like answering that and and you know feeling comfortable saying yes. And I'm I wouldn't even be comfortable saying no. I personally don't think that it's time to to be concerned yet. I feel like if if the results continue to to go the way that they have been, then with the next two matches, and yeah, it definitely it's going to be time for concern and. Gonna have to look at, at what Juventus needs to do in order to turn things around and get back into to the title race if they can. Um, but the result, you know, one one, I, I feel like that it was the result was fair. 
I feel like that was that was probably the best result for the match. I think it was a very hot fought um, draw between both sides. Juventus, from what I saw, they actually looked pretty solid um, to me. Uh, Dybala played very well. Morata had a lovely goal. The chip over over AC Milan's goalkeeper in the fourth minute of the match, and you know Milan, obviously, you know they're 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 in the top four and they're up there in the league for a reason, and they they fought to get that draw. Um, so everything looked good for them. If they had Zlatan, I feel like they definitely would have beaten um, AC, uh, Juventus. Sorry, uh, but to answer to go back to uh, Lewis's questions. Does Juventus have a good enough team? Yeah, they do. I think they have one of the best teams in the league, despite their positioning and, and their run of results. I feel like they just haven't really gotten a groove and haven't been able to respond to the absence of, of Ronaldo on the side. Um, so who knows? I don't I don't know what, what to say about what they what they need. Um because so, yeah, sorry, sorry go ahead. So I don't know. I think I think it's gonna be close and every point's gonna be crucial for them. So they need they need to get going now. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, for me, the reason for concern, you take away these last two games, right? You, you don't really want to put too much emphasis in losing away against Napoli and drawing Milan at home. Those are always going to be two tough games. Um, so I guess the emphasis is just that bad start. So I just want to point something, uh, this little fact that I just saw on Twitter. So the last three seasons at this stage for Juventus in 18, 19, 12 points, 19, 20, 10 points. Last year, six points. This year, two points. So Oof. I think the concern is there are a lot of, and, and, and hence, what, what have they added in those four years? They've added Chiesa, they've added Locatelli, but other than those two players, and then they've gotten rid of Ronaldo. Other than those two players, the, ex, the, the lineup is pretty much the exact same, right? Can, can we agree on that? Yeah, yeah. For the most part, yeah. Um, so I think I, that's the only concern. I don't. I think they'll be okay. They'll still challenge for Europe, but I think a, a lot of these players are just like worn down. Just I think it's just it, it's it's Juve is just like Barcelona. It's it's time to change a lot. And the difference between Allegri and Coleman, Allegri was brought to make that rebuild, and he has he he's, he's he can afford to like have a bad year at least for this one with them because yeah. he knows it's it's just important to like. <laughs> To get as much money out and not lose as much, because you know they just reported they lost like two hundred million over the last year. That's that's one of the, the one one, uh, one of the top uh, amounts for a club in Europe. So we'll see, man. Uh, I don't want to get concerned, but it is alarming as for the whole squad overall. No, and to your point, the the average age of the the, the team on on a Sunday was twenty nine point nine years old. That's very old. Yeah. Compared to 25 years old for AC Milan. And then, anyways, on a sad note, though, to, to, to break away from Juventus, they should still rest in peace and piss, excuse me. <laughs> um, my man Mourinho finally got his first defeat with Roma. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the game, but the defending still is not what they should be. Uh, I don't know if this is more things to come or are they going to bounce back? Edwin, Lewis, why don't you guys take it away? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll grab this one. Uh, is it a sign of things to come? I think I think it, it, to say yes would be, you know, you know uh, dropping the gun a little bit too soon. 
Uh, like like you said, you know, it was his first defeat in Serie A. They had that perfect run up until up until uh, that match against Hellas Verona. Um, but I mean, you can't take anything away from from that Verona side. They played very well. Um, that third goal from the captain was absolutely phenomenal. Lovely half volley with the outside of the boot from um, from outside the box that hit you know, went in off of the crossbar. It was a beautiful strike. There was nothing that the the goalkeeper could have done. Um, but I think it was it was a good match. Uh, Roma was unfortunate. They did have they had a, a decent amount of chances to kind of, you know, take the lead and, and put the game away. But, you know, things happen in football. It just wasn't their night. But I don't think there's anything to be concerned about just yet. Yeah, it's just one defeat. And we all know how great of a of a coach Mourinho is and you know the what he expects from his sides and and stuff like that he's always going to be challenging for a top four um you know his addition to Roma I feel like definitely put them in in the discussion of oh can they can they challenge for the Scudetto I still think that they can so um, you know for Roma you know the squad isn't entirely there for them um I don't think they have you know a top three four squad in Serie A and that's obviously going to be something for them to overcome the talent levels. But at the same time, you know, they're still missing Spinozola. I'm not sure if he's even going to come back this year to play. Uh, I don't know if you guys know about that, but I, I just don't think the strong, the, the, the squad is going to be strong enough. I don't think the, the, the chance creation for the team up front, it's really just Tammy Abraham and Lenzo Pellegrini for them uh, being their main source of offense. So I think they're going to struggle there. Uh, and defensively, you, you know, it's it's identifying who's going to be your starter. They still have Chris Smalling. Um, I'm not sure how much game time he's going to be expected to get, but, you know, they, they have two two very young center backs and Roger Ibanez and Gianluca Mancini. So it's going to be – it's going to it's gonna depend on squad depth and what, what the most you can get out of this young squad, and that's going to end up determining what, what European place they can actually uh, finish in. Yeah, but I feel like this is, yeah, this is such a a great fit for Mourinho though. This team, I feel like, you know, because Mourinho, you know, we gave him all this shit when he was at United and and whatnot, and, and telling him about, oh, like you know, he's always not satisfied with his squad because of the amount of like how big in money that these squads are. With United, it was, oh, the recruiting's ass. Like I'm not getting the players that I want. We should be spending as much as we can. Blah blah blah. And then you know, somewhat of the same uh, rhetoric as Spurs this this Roma side I feel like it's kind of like an underdog side you know you're not they don't have they're not one of the richest teams or they're not the richest team in in Italy so I feel like you can't really use that as an excuse so I think it's a great challenge for him to take this underside this underdog side that's young and has a lot of potential and we can really see where his man management kind of comes into play and the tactic side of it as well. So I think it's a great challenge for him. I think that uh, Roma is a perfect fit for him. And I feel like he can do a lot of damage with this team. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, I just hope he doesn't ruin his reputation even more. I just hope it's a happy ending, no matter how it ends. But uh, anyways, I agree with you. From Italy to France, from underdogs to the heavy favorites, PSG did what they had to do, defeated Leon 2 to 1. But the talk of the town was Lionel Messi getting subbed off in the 71st minute, I believe, 70th minute. I don't exactly remember the minute, but he got subbed off while the, the match was 
at 1-1. So it's kind of a pretty critical point of the match. Uh, and you could see a little, it could be a little dust up with Poach. Uh, Edwin, what, what, what do we think of this? Is this people, people are just overblowing this or is there something more to it? Yeah, I mean, you know, we you see the scenes and, and the photos that, that were all over social media this this past weekend. You know, Messi's getting subbed off and Pochettino has his hand out to, you know, obviously give Messi a high five or shake his hand, whatever, you know, to basically saying good game. And Messi absolutely just snubs him and, you know, doesn't give him the hand and kind of just looks at him with a with a, a blank stare like whatever. Um, and. I feel I feel like, yeah, I feel like the media, the fans, the pundits, they're all gassing the whole situation up. Rightfully so, because it is it's very juicy. I love I'm all here. I'm here for the tea time or whatever. Um, but for me, I, I, I don't think it's that it's that big of a deal, because at the end of the day and Pochettino's not getting enough credit for this because of the bust up with Messi bust up, quote unquote, um, the per- he brought on Mario Icardi for, for Messi, and guess what? Mario Icardi scored the winning goal. So, you know, one can make the argument, playing devil's advocate, Pochettino masterclass for bringing on Icardi to score the goal. <laughs> um, A little too but much, only- but I'll allow it. Yeah, and, and the, the only thing for me on the incident is that, you know, you don't really see Messi reacting like this at all. Uh, I'm I'm gonna agree with Edwin. I think uh, you know, no really big deal in the in the heat of the game. Obviously, a guy like Lionel Messi doesn't want to get subbed off, especially in a big game against Leon, and it's one-one. He obviously still thought he could make an impact, but at the end of the day, the coach made his decision. Uh, you know, I don't think there's gonna be any hard feelings there. Um, lucky for PSG, they ended up winning the game. Um, and yeah, you know, Messi has struggled to provide um a goal or an assist for PSG in the what three or four games that he's played so far, but you know. I'm not worried. It will come. And Messi's a guy you're going to want to have at the pitch in, at the end of the game, in the beginning of games. Uh, Pochettino decided to make a decision, ended up working out for them. So, you know, I think there's going to be – this will blow over, and you know, Messi will get his eventually. And I think Neymar should have given him the penalty, but whatever. Yes, 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 he should have. Yep, hopefully, man, Messi gets on track, um, you know, especially that he went to a farmer's league. Unlike the GOAT, I went to the best league in the world. All right, guys. Well, to round out the show, the best the best segment of the of, of, of the podcast, Ballon d'Or Vets. Second best. <laughs> the Ballon d'Or Vets. Uh I'll provide a recap of how we did in the weekend. We went two for two, but we still want some money. Uh, my uh, my half unit on Arsenal and Burnley to score and to draw did not hit. I was really <laughs> I was swinging for the fence to that one. The one the one that that was, should have hit was the over two and a half for Wolves Brentford. Uh, the expected goals was like almost four combined by both teams. So that got me mad. But of course, we still got winners because we, we, that's all we, what we're going to provide here in this podcast. So, Ronaldo. Just, 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 just one thing to add for Wolves. Did you know Wolves have the three players with the most chances created without any assists in the Premier League so far? Don't Jesus. Tell me that. Now I'm more mad about my bet. <laughs> 
So they are struggling to get these goals. Anyways, the per- the one man is not struggling to score and help me win some money. The goat himself, see, the tapping merchant, my king, Ronaldo, <laughs> on the score sheet again. Like I said, we're gonna we're gonna be taking this bet every single game he plays because all right, he's not stopping for a while until he doesn't even until he doesn't score. Is I'm gonna stop. But that wasn't the best bet of the weekend. The best bet, of course, is my parlay. My parlay hits again at Inter Liverpool both to win outright and had the under in Athletic and Atletico for two and a half. So that hit gained some good money there. And that gave us money to play with during the week. Now I saw the odds. By the way, the odds that are provided on this podcast are brought to you by the Barcelona Sportsbook. We are still not sponsored by them. Um, but anyways, so looking at the odds, I only really see one game that I like, and I'm going to go to Serie A, uh, the Torino Lazio. I'm going to pick Lazio to win at plus 117. Um, give me one second. I'm going to put this up. So in the last five games, uh, they've drawn twice. Lazio has won three times. And, um, and Lazio has lost three of the last four Serie A games that they made away favorites. So because... Uh, They've been losing uh, recently. I feel like it's time to get back on track. So I'm going to put Lazio to win. And that's the only play I'm making. And like I said, bet responsibly. If you know anyone that has a gambling issue, please call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, guys. Well, this wraps up another episode of the Falls 9 podcast. Thank you for my co-host for joining me. Uh, we will be back later in the week to review some of the week, uh, the midweek games and to preview the weekend fellas last words edwin thank you guys for listening thanks everybody for listening we'll catch you guys midweek and guys please don't forget to like us subscribe it's really important uh and thank you to all the loyal listeners that money,